0: this week's episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison. But before we dive into today's episode, let me give you a quick background on the IPG Media Lab. The IPG Media Lab is a specialized group dedicated to innovation, working across the interpublic network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. So welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. Big news this week, Angel Minoza is finally back. And it feels so good. How do you do this again? Am I,
1: do, am I doing this right?
0: Yeah, you sound good so far. <laughs> of course, we have from the strategy team, Christina Andronly. Christina, say hello. Hello. We have Adam Simon. Hello. And client service director, Mr. Benjamin Hone. Ben, say what's up. What's up? Well, I'm glad to have everybody back again this week uh, to talk about another exciting episode on Floor 9. Uh, so this week we'll be talking about our Outlook theme, the battle for the home. Uh, and before we dive into this large topic, uh, Adam, would you like to give us some background uh, on the battle for the home? Really, in 2017, where we started and how we are today and how this is the battle, for, excuse me, like the home in general, has really become emerging out of its uh, infant stages and it's becoming more prominent in our day-to-day lives.
2: Yeah, we've been talking about the connected home uh, in one way, shape, or form for a really long time. We're finally starting to emerge out of that uh, awkward adolescence where everybody's using different apps to control their devices and all the setup is completely different and fragmented and so not that straightforward or clear. Um, and it's w- what's really happening is we're seeing a platformization uh, of the the connected home, and that's largely being driven by uh, the voice assistants and the connected speaker market, um, and uh, on one side. Um, but I think the other thing that uh, we're starting to see is also. Um, just the TV be the the second entry point into the home. Um, all of the, the major tech companies have a TV platform as well um, and that's not 100% utilized uh, as a connected home in the connected home ecosystem yet but it is obviously controlling along with the speakers controlling all of the the media that is coming into the house.
0: right and I think the only thing I'd, I'd add to that was in 2017 it was really the year of the voice assistance uh, and, when I, and when, I, when, when, I, when I look at it that I think is one it's uh, like major theme that has really sprouted. The like like the home platform. I think I think without the voice assistance, and like and like the hype around that, it'd be um, a a different uh, conversation or story that that we'd be talking about right now.
2: Yes, although I do think a major pet peeve of mine is that every uh, a lot of the mainstream press just treats the entire home platform as being about voice assistance, and it's not. That's not the whole platform. I think that's part of our message.
0: Okay, well, shall we kind of review the different home platforms that we have today? Uh, so the, the, like the main competitors are Amazon, Google, Apple, and possibly Facebook. Um, so when we look at Amazon, what are some strengths that Amazon has today?
3: I think Amazon's platform, they started the earliest and currently hold about 70% of the smart speaker market, although there have been advancements in that, so we could see that number decrease this year. Um, what Amazon is really good at is shopping. So they obviously have a best-in-class shopping platform, and their voice assistant really serves as a conduit to that. So they are doing a pretty good job holding on to their share so far.
0: Right. And notably, Amazon has just acquired Ring in a recent acquisition, estimated at $1 billion, but it hasn't been confirmed. Uh, and it seems like they're really starting to want to own the person's like front door um, through you know, dropping a package off at your front door. Now they want to drop it off in your house. They want to be, have a camera inside your house. So it seems like they're approaching this smart form, excuse me, this like like the smart home from uh, like bettering their business. Uh, So I think it, you know, like this like directly impacts how efficient like their business can be and like how convenient it can be. Whereas Google, I'm a bit, you know, maybe like a bit uncertain about, I I feel like they're just kind of playing catch up. They're just seeing that this is like a thing that's happening and they don't want to be left out.
3: So Google is interesting. Um, There was a study by Business Insider that ranked. They asked all the different smart speakers a variety of, I think, 500 questions. Google actually came out on top of that test. They answered over 80% of search queries correctly. Um, And that makes sense when you think about Google's history and DNA in search um, and wanting to future-proof that going forward as more search moves on to voice platforms. Uh, What Google also has going for it, they have uh, a trove of data from YouTube as well as Android. And when you're able to layer those on top of each other, you can really get down to individual recommendations um, and getting people exactly what they want based on their past and their intent.
0: So it seems like from like in like the home perspective, maybe just better search results that lead to better advertising for them in the sense that like they can possibly just have better advertising in the home in a way. You mean, wh- what? why is Google in the connected home in the right, first place? Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah in, in the first place is I guess what I'm trying to get at here. Because again, from Am- Amazon's perspective, it seems like this is like key to their business, which makes a lot of sense. But I feel like Google itself, like what is Google trying to do in here?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just about um, providing or getting increased amounts of data on the users, right? If you're an Android user, They know everything you do on your phone. They don't know um, uh, if you use a Chromecast. Maybe they know what you're watching on your TV, Um, but they don't know, (laughs) you know, how late you stay up at night. If you're, for example, reading on a Kindle, they're not going to know how late you're up reading. But if they know if your lights are on, then they do have a sense as to how late you're staying up and when you're waking up in the morning and things like that. Like, I think there's it's it's all with Google. It's always about getting more data and more access to the user through that. Um, And the targeting, obviously, that informs targeting across all of their platforms. So it's not just necessarily about targeting on those home devices. It could be targeting uh, on YouTube videos or on search results on your computer at work or something.
4: Like a lot of things with Google, it's a reactionary move, too. And I think the point you made earlier is valid, which is... The reason that Google is entering the space in the first place is because they recognize that Amazon is capturing some of that search market share away from the traditional text input search, and so they need to have a presence in the voice search space in order to continue to capture some of that attention so they can continue to support their business model with uh, ad revenue.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Good points all around. And um, again, notably in the news, Nest Uh, has now recently joined Google's hardware uh, division. Uh, So it seems like they're trying to make uh, this home platform kind of an ecosystem, a lock-in of sorts. Like the new Nest, they now have a temperature sensor for individual rooms. They they have a competing video door lock. So that kind of is a counter move to the Amazon Ring acquisition. And they also have their own smart lock now. So again, looking to control the front door the same way Amazon's trying to do that with their Amazon key.
1: And I love it, but... To your earlier point, Adam, you said that's a nascent space, 100%, but I feel like it's so expensive. So newcomers trying to get into a space, I feel like ness's price point is way too high when it comes to those specific. Yeah. I, I th- <coughs> The idea is great. I would love to buy it, but I said it to myself. I'm not going to spend that much money for those little... Things are $50 each, I think. To like
2: nest your entire home. Like it makes sense for the thermostat. It's like a one time, one thing purchase. You know, if you're going to replace your thermostat for $250, then the original nest seems like an obvious thing. But yeah, a lot of these accessories get really expensive. I I think that's a good uh, uh, jumping off point to one of the other talking points that we have is just how. Um, all of these devices. We, we've only mostly been talking about the newer devices, but there's also connected ovens, connected fridges. There's the whole connected toilets that we saw at uh, CES. There's a whole ecosystem of things in our homes that will one day be on the internet and connected to each other. Um, and that's why these platforms are important is because you know Google's probably never going to make a toilet, um, but a connected Kohler toilet should be able to talk to the rest of your stuff. But uh, the upgrade cycles for these things are so long. So it, probably for most people, you're not going to install those nest sensors in every you know every uh, room in your home but eventually you might move into an apartment or buy a new home that's new construction that does have a lot of this stuff built in and I think that obviously that's you know a really long uh, uh, sort of upgrade cycle it's gonna take a while the deployment phase Mm -hmm. for connected home is definitely gonna last um, you know probably 20 years before all this stuff is common everywhere but uh, you know you got to start somewhere
1: yeah and this is where I think it might be a good segue into the Apple, I mean, the Foxconn Belkin acquisition because Belkin it, makes hardware for the smart home. So theoretically, they could make the same products as Nest is creating but a very low price point or a lower price point. Um, that will actually – somebody like me that wants to get into the smart home area, why not? If I could spend half the price on the same thing, and it will definitely be connected to HomeKit. It just makes more sense. Also, with a
2: trusted brand, yes. it's an existing trusted brand. I think that's part of the key for Foxconn because they could make that stuff themselves anyway. But uh, this way, they have that brand that a lot of people in, um, in the U.S. anyway, trust.
0: Mm-hmm. Today, it is still very fragmented. And do we think that is the way this market is gonna is gonna stay? Curious to know, your, like your guys' thoughts on the fragmentation or consolidation of the smart home.
4: I think that. Alexa and the Google assistant both benefit from fragmentation in the smart home because there are so many different devices that you can now that can now come online they just serve as that interface layer that and so they want to be able to play nice with everyone so that more of your connected devices are on their platform and you'll choose to interact with that platform more as Christina was saying before there are pros and cons for each of them some of them you know you, you might, have a google assistant to give you more uh, broad information or to control your light switches and then you might also have alexa in the home in order to order stuff so Mm. you know those things are definitely don't um they're, they're not mutually exclusive unless you have all samsung devices in which case You're stuck with Bixby, and (laughs) (laughs) nothing works with Bixby, aside from Samsung.
3: But I think that's a good point. I think, and we saw this especially at CES, was the equipment manufacturers are banking and betting on the fact that you'll buy their ecosystem so that those devices can talk to each other. When you think about how a consumer would actually behave, I think it's unlikely that customer, And it could be the case that a customer buys all Whirlpool appliances so they can talk to each other. Um, I think what we run into, like Adam said, is the upgrade cycles. You're not always upgrading your refrigerator when you're upgrading your oven, when you're upgrading your microwave. Um, and so I think in the short term what we'll see is the platforms very, very much so pushing that consumer behavior forward. Um, and we'll uh, – We're watching to see if consumer behavior does evolve to one manufacturer or not. Um, But I think the platforms have a strong position there.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if uh you know if you w- if there might be some ecosystem benefits to having them from the same manufacturer but at the end of the day um like th- that diminishes as you move through the house like your toilet and your oven probably don't need to talk to each other um so it's really that that platform play it kind of has to come from a third party
3: uh <laughs> it would be nice I if they talk to each other <laughs> yeah i mean fine okay
4: <laughs> wait so you don't want your oven checking in for an update <laughs> yeah. on how you enjoyed your meal later <laughs>
2: you know i don't know i guess i guess alexa could know that i guess alexa can be the go-between she can translate in both
0: directions <laughs> for health reasons right exactly it gets into the quantified self you know i want proven facts all based off data to prove my life that is
2: still the connected toilet thing that we've never seen at ces that i'm still surprised we haven't seen the toilet that analyzes your poop it just <laughs> it, it seems like it's a thing that should be there in, in the existence and it's not there
0: give it time Give it some time, and then we'll be there (laughs) real quick.
1: (laughs) But to answer your question, Scott, and to really play along what everyone else is saying is that I think there will be a few players, a few major players that will control the home, but then you're going to see startups trying to aggregate all these different players. So yes, there'll be ecosystem benefits, but you're going to have these startups trying to get your toilet to talk to your oven. Um, So that's the way I see it.
2: Why is it going to be a startup and not just Amazon or Google or Apple? Because
1: they're not going to go down that route unless it's validated so they're gonna let i i believe startups will do it and if they're successful you'll see one of the larger players acquire them similar to what samsung did with bixby because that's essentially what bixby was trying to do connecting all these chatbots and assistants from different platforms so for example with bixby if you didn't have if you wanted to uh, get an uber but you didn't have the chatbot or the app it will find it download for you and then transfer your information automatically so it's very seamless
2: yeah i still think it's going to be one of the big guys i think it's they, they already have these platforms built out adding new devices is very types of devices is super simple like apple added like 30 new types of devices last year yeah. um like you know when there are connected toilets ready to go i think we'll just see them they'll just be on all the platforms well i guess
1: this, this is more of a future thought because eventually you're gonna see apple creating their own devices because similar to I what totally we disagree. I don't know. But I think it's going to be <laughs> similar I think it's going to be similar to mobile phones where Android came out and then it became a pain in the ass negotiating with the mobile phones and the carriers. So now they're starting to build their own stack in order to compete with Apple. So Apple owns the entire mobile stack. They don't have to negotiate anything. It's going to be the same with I, I think the same with smart home devices where the OEMs are going to go to Google to Amazon and say, "Hey, who do you, who who wants to be part of who wants to power my voice assistant in my my device because i am xyz brand that's a large tv um, brand or company so from amazon or google standpoint, so i we going through that minutiae at the end they wouldn't it be better to build your own hardware and sell it so you have all the data you don't have to negotiate
3: that would be interesting and i think that would be a choice of scale versus exclusivity, right? Mm. If Sony were to say, I want Google to power all of my televisions, you're limiting your world, your available world to only people that will use Google. Um, I think what we're seeing now is the voice assistance embedded in all devices, which is good for consumers because they have a range of options Mm -hmm. and they can optimize towards whatever is, for them or for all of them. Um, But that would be an interesting thing to see and to see if someone would make a decision like
2: that. Well, and we actually are seeing that in the TV space, right? Like there are people embedding Fire TV, there are people embedding Chromecast and Android TV. (coughs) Um, Apple obviously does not let you embed their TV software for various reasons also Roku is Mm -hmm. a big like and we should talk about Roku later but uh, like backing up a a bit I think we we went down this fell in this trap again of getting stuck talking about voice assistants yes I think it's Probably, at least in the near term, Apple's not going to let anybody put a microphone that accesses Siri into the refrigerator like we are seeing with Google and Amazon. But that doesn't mean that the refrigerator can't be connected to Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, Siri can still, under whatever data the refrigerator can provide, Siri could still access that through uh, your phone or your HomePod or something else, right? So when we get to the like sort of Who's going to make what? What I thought you were saying was sort of what Google's doing with Nest, where they're actually making first-party connected thermostats, connected smoke detectors, con- and you know um, other sensors for the home. Mm-hmm. Um, Google seems to be pursuing that strategy. Amazon and Apple right now don't make any of that stuff themselves. They might promote certain manufacturers as you know being compatible, but they're not. L- um, I guess well, Amazon now makes the doorbell, right, with Ring, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but they don't. Um, you know, I don't think any of them are going to get to the point where they're making ovens. Right. Like, I don't think we're going to see um, we might see a Google Assistant and Alexa integration, but they're not going to be. Google's not going to be selling us ovens. Um, and that's, they, that's might be, be,
1: they might be selling TVs, though
2: well I mean. but they're they've mostly partnered with other oems at this point and it does this is why i think the tv is an interesting space is because we're starting to see the oems give up on their own proprietary software for the most part um not entirely but a lot of them are, are just moving over to roku or google or amazon because that's what people want and they realize like why should i bother m- having a team maintain this software when i can just you know people want google and amazon so just let them handle <laughs> it
0: right and i want to i, I, I want to continue off that point into this idea that again and i think we were we already talked about a little bit but the media itself is really harping on voice assistance but what are some other ways that these major tech platforms are getting into the home i know we mentioned tv there's that like there's there, there's still the mobile phone that's a huge huge entry point as well as even wearables um so thoughts what do we what do we think here yeah
2: we didn't really talk specifically about Apple and their platform, but um, having just set up a bunch of connected home <laughs> <laughs> devices, um, Apple's the advantage of Apple having um, a good interface on your phone and your iPad and other devices for home uh, stuff. The fact that the, there's a sometimes you just want to hit a button rather than shout across the room to your <laughs> device, and I think that that's actually um, their their phone interface, but also the setup process is vastly simpler than um, Amazon and Google, and that. It took them a while to sort of straighten all that out because for a while they were requiring con- um, manufacturers to build specific chips into their devices to connect to HomeKit. That was a terrible strategy. It did not work. Um, so now that they've backed away from that, I think th- we're going to see a lot more devices devices be compatible with Apple's platform as well. And the setup process is it's literally you point your camera at a code on the back of the device and it connects it to your network and you don't have to do anything else. It's like 10 times simpler than 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 what uh, Amazon and Google have for their setup process Mm. i think that that's you know this stuff is complicated it's not um easy and you're often if you're trying to connect a bunch of things in your house buying stuff from different manufacturers who are going to have different setup processes and stuff like that it's like it actually is nice to be able to do something super fast and easy like that
4: especially when you're used to setting stuff up by just plugging it in right right. (laughs) used to be good enough and now at you know we need to make sure that we're eliminating instead of adding more
0: steps totally right and I think I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers to the smart home today. Is I feel uh, is just the setup process because uh, you had a I mean, again in we put in the show notes you had a great tweet storm about your your yeah. afternoon setting up all the different products uh, between HomeKit and the different uh, platforms offered by Google and Amazon. So uh, I think that is still one of the biggest I would say again barriers as to Uh, the the smart home but hopefully as these products develop the the actual setup process gets easier and easier um
2: yeah i think it's one of the big things stopping a lot of people from doing simple things like connecting your lights is just like well that and
0: samsung philip hughes cost like four (laughs) hundred dollars it's not cost four (laughs) hundred dollars all right well
2: but i think i think that it's uh like there there's been a lot of um talk of the need for sort of an easy onboarding, like smart home in a box, like just a few light bulbs and like a a smart speaker is like enough to like get people going. And Amazon's kind of doing that. They offer like in-home, free in-home advice using their um, services platform. You can get someone to come to your house and basically tell you what smart home devices to buy. That seems like a step in the right direction, but like I'm a little surprised that they're not offering some installation services if you buy... Let's say, like maybe not an Echo Dot, but like a full-size Echo or a certain amount of smart home stuff from, from Amazon. I kind of feel like they should just let install it for you for free, um, and I I, I would be surprised if we don't see something like that in the future.
1: What's that price point for you? How much w- do you think <coughs> it would
2: be? I feel like if you s- let's I'm just gonna say if you spend two hundred and fifty dollars or more on smart home stuff from Amazon, they should maybe eat the cost of installation for you. But eh, I guess it's, it's complicated. It depends. It's like light bulbs are different than if you have to rewire switches, for example. That's obviously mm. much more complicated.
4: Aren't there companies now that are offering like smart home engineering uh, services? So similar to how, how you would call an electrician or a plumber.
3: So Handy also has smart home device installation. They just launched that. They started as a a better digitally enabled cleaning service which mm. is awesome and I use and I love um, they expanded into like electrician services handyman services smart. and now they have smart device installation
0: I was thinking at CES we should start a company that, does, that just does smart home remodeling we could have our own show like the property brothers but it would just be smart home edition it would be fantastic Side hustle. Um, Side hustle. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I,
2: I really, I'm surprised. I, I feel like that that is something that Apple is well positioned to do also in that in, ter- in terms of their customer relationship and things like, I really feel like the, the Genius Bar was like a, is was a great idea 20 years ago. And the new version would be like, we're going to send people to your home to help set up your devices, including these third party smart home devices that you've purchased f- from us, you know, like that. I feel like people would be willing to pay for that from someone like Apple, and I feel like they need to, if they really are, want to invest in the home, that would be one easy way for them to sort of get a, get a leg up.
1: Yeah, there's some companies that are doing that, but they are cable companies that would offer to sell you these smart home devices and then install it for you. However, it goes back to the brand trust where I wouldn't uh, do that because I feel like they have a hidden agenda, whereas an Apple wouldn't. Yeah.
2: Uh, same thing with Amazon. I, th- I think I think Apple, Amazon and Google are all in the position to do that. I just think that Am- Apple already has this like genius bar model
0: that could be rethought to exist in the home in some way. Yeah. I don't know. When I look at that, I feel like that's kind of outside of Apple's like core business model. But it seems like it's I think
2: know. it. the question is, how serious are they about owning that home platform? <clears throat> and right. I think that they, we don't really know strategically how they think about HomeKit and the home platform. Like, why are they playing in that space other than that? you know, they can, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. we know Amazon wants to lock down the purchase channels in the home. And that's strategically important for them. And obviously, they they make money by selling these devices. Google is sort of responding to that from Amazon and wants to sort of maintain that or or get closer to the consumer and more data. Apple, I don't think there actually is, at least on the surface, a really obvious, like, here's why we need a home platform. Um, And that could be what's holding them back.
3: What's interesting about Apple, too, so Siri has been on iPhones for years, right? Um, largely, I think consumers' experiences with Siri are that she answers things incorrectly all the time. Um, and I would think that consumers, having had that experience with their phones, that could be a barrier to buying an Apple device as well. Um, and juries out also if they'll be able to turn Siri or if they even want to turn siri into a bona fide platform in the same way alexa and google assistant are um that said we talked about voice being just one entry point into the home apple also has apple watch um, which we've seen them put a lot of investment behind Uh, amazon and google do not have well they have limited wearable devices um, but apple really has that market right now Uh, and in the same way that You might not, you know, you might want to push a button and get information. You might just want glanceable information on your wrist Mm -hmm. instead of screaming into a laundry room or at your kitchen. (laughs)
2: Yeah, the other the other Apple Watch angle that I'm super interested in is micro-location inside the home. This is something that uh, no one really supports right now. It's not really a part of any of the platforms. But as you imagine how these platforms sort of improve and change over the years, I think one day, obvious, it's sort of obvious, your home will know who is in which room, and you know, and, and what if they're moving, if they're sitting, if they're sleeping, like that kind of data. I think eventually, maybe more like five years from now, will be important to the smart home, and uh, it's going to be more difficult for Amazon and Google to support that kind of thing. Whereas you know, Apple, it's a pretty, uh, I think, interesting. You can imagine the commercial, right, where you're just walking through your home and music is turning on and off, and lights are turning on and off, and things like that. Like that is a platform differentiator.
0: Right. Well, I was I was to say. So, interestingly enough, um, Echo B is another smart home company that Amazon has actually invested twenty one, or excuse me, sixty one million dollars in, in their Series C's. And from the Verge, it says n- it's not that they can. I would say they can understand exactly who's in each room, but they can understand if a room is occupied and then prioritize that room uh, for a certain defaults or customizations. so like when it comes to heat it's like oh you're in this room and, you, and this is the temperature you like like we'll heat this room to that but again there are, there are limitations because you, then you then you need like smart like vents to understand you know only blow heat or air into this one specific room instead of just like heating up the entire house until it hits this until this one room hits a certain temperature so like there are still some limitations but uh you know amazon i think is looking into understanding who is in whose room Or which room? That's
2: interesting. Apple is pretty cozied up to Echo B also. um, And I did not know Amazon was an investor in them. So that's interesting. I guess it's, as far as I can tell, Echo B is by far the best um, thermostat other than Nest. So they're probably both just eager to have
0: access to them. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about Amazon, we've talked about Google, and we've talked about Apple. Uh, The other major tech platform that we haven't talked about yet uh, is Facebook. And I think there's a whole slew of conversation around this. Um, most notably, their actual uh, home speaker device that they were planning on really now has now been delayed based off of this new uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal. Um, so I, Facebook is now in a precarious position where I think for them it's going to be much harder to breach into the home based off of this like, lack of uh, consumer and brand trust that they now have off this latest scandal.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is. I think in a best case scenario, where the <laughs> before pre Cambridge Analytica, Facebook was already at the bottom of the list of the four major tech companies in the U.S. in terms of uh, consumer trust, and um, uh, consumer trust is super important when we get st- to things like the home product, like home products and wearables, and <coughs> excuse me. Trust is super important when we get to things like the home platforms and wearables and certainly things like smart speakers. We know a big barrier to adoption of those speakers is uh, consumers who are wary of putting um, an open microphone into their homes. Uh, And I think one that had a giant Facebook logo on it would be even more terrifying to most people uh, than one that has an Amazon logo or a Google logo on it. Uh, And this just seems like it's probably a non-starter for them, at least for a
0: while. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see... kind of what their uh, next moves in the home platform could have been i think at a time at ces we used to talk about how possibly roku uh could have been an interesting acquisition for them uh but i i'm assuming roku's probably kind of staying as far away as possible from facebook at this current moment in time
2: well, and I, I actually don't think it would it would help uh, i think people wouldn't <laughs> the news the word would get out pretty quickly that roku was now owned by facebook mm-hmm. and uh I think they would
0: it would just be value destructive at this point if they right. acquired them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so there's also this idea of like the amount of data that is stored in like these smart home devices. Um, you'd be surprised about how many times like Alexa is actually calling home to the server and pinging and just checking and, see and seeing if people are here. So um, again, it just it goes back into just the Brand trust that it's going to be needed for these tech platforms to actually get into the home, because uh, you can actu- the actual amount of data that's collected uh, is surprisingly a lot. And there was an article, um, Adam, that you posted in Slack that I, f- I forgot the name, but they did a test where they kind of put a like a Wi-Fi bridge between all the smart home and the internet connection, and they were able to kind of see all the times that these smart home devices like were pinging pinging home base in a sense and he learned a lot through anonymized data. Like when the person was home, you know, which rooms they were in, like what they like to eat just based off of like queries. Um, So it's a surprising amount of data uh, that comes off of these, you know, rather, you know, small devices in your home. Does that bother you guys?
3: So here's my comment on that. I think, Obviously, this is top of mind for a lot of people given what's going on with Facebook and Experian and the laundry list of other companies who have just been hacked or careless or whatever it whatever reason it was data consumer data came out that just happened with my fitness pal Mm -hmm. for hundreds of millions of people. The way that I see consumer adoption going, though, on this is if you look at the internet and then you look at the mobile phone and now you look at smart home devices, initially there is a ton of consumer backlash against the amount of data that's put out, Um, and that eventually dies down as usage becomes so mainstream. Uh, I expect a similar trajectory of consumer thought and behavior to happen with smart home, especially as generations mature. And the, you know, Gen Z and younger millennials who are just used to sharing information um, grow up and smart home is their new normal. That's all they know. They don't know about plugging in an oven, for example. And that and I want to couch that and say it's not to say that brands shouldn't be responsible and ensure privacy because, like Adam said, trust is paramount in gaining access to consumers. But within the zeitgeist, I expect that to taper.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you know. I don't know. I it, to me, the quantity of data. I remember reading that report, and I think the quantity of data didn't really bother me. Like, I don't care how often my speaker's mm. waking up to see if there's someone there or not. Um, I, I guess the the concern would be knowing whether I was home or someone was home. But I also have a cat, and like, it could hear the cat. The cat could be making noise. You know, like mm. there's <laughs> a, there's a, there could there's a lot of potential uh, noise in that <laughs> in that uh, that data set if that if that's you know somebody maliciously wanted to know whether i was home or not (laughs) i don't know to what end but (laughs)
1: you'll soon find out
2: (laughs) but i
3: think to see a number of smart home security uh startups emerge and not just and i'm not talking security in the sense of a smart lock like personal security i'm talking about data management and security platforms like a norton antivirus for your connected home essentially
1: Yes. Aka Bitdefender,
0: Bitdefender's new product is a hub that you put between your net connection and your Wi-Fi, and it just monitors everything that's going on the network to prevent any uh, sort of like ma- ma- malicious attacks. Because when you start looking at the smart home, uh, every new IoT device that is connected prevents or is is a new vulnerability uh, into your home.
3: And I would imagine as smart home adoption grows, I would imagine the number of IoT security companies also grows in line with that and gets more sophisticated.
2: Yeah, and I think that is yeah. the more immediate danger because we've already seen that be a problem, right? there was um, Last year, there was an issue where one of the biggest botnet attacks ever came uh, through. Uh, some off-brand uh, security cameras. <laughs> no,
1: multiple devices.
2: Yeah, but I think no. like the big one was like security cameras. Uh-huh. There was a some super cheap security camera that you could buy in Alibaba. That there were just you know thousands and thousands of them out in the world, and that that's how they gained access to local networks is through those cameras because they were not secured very well. I'm I'm pretty sure the password was like admin. It's so I, so I remember or that yes. ar- <laughs> I remember
1: that article. The password and the username was admin1 admin1 all lowercase that's that's how they cracked that (laughs) 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 no one sprained an ankle on that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and see this is the problem is
2: like it i'm sure it was it was running some you know version of linux on it and it was just some no one bothered to change the the username and password to that um, which the it was never exposed to the users who were setting it up it was just you know uh, there was no way for you to even know really
0: right so, the final thing we need to talk about here is what does all this mean for brands? Uh, Adam, I'll, I'll toss the mic to you first, and, and then we'll go around the table.
2: Uh, I think one immediate implication is um, that we're starting to see. Uh, again, the major tech platforms minus Facebook really start to control the media channels into the home um, through connected speakers and connected TV devices. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. So these are sort of new choke points into uh, the media ecosystems inside the home. So when most of our music is coming through a speaker that is, you know, made and controlled by um, Apple or Google or Amazon and most of our television is coming through a TV, whether it's built into the TV or a, an external device that's also controlled by one of those companies. Um, it starts to sort of shift the, you know, the, the balance of power away from, uh, you know, the, the content providers, whether that's Spotify or, you know, uh, NBC, um, or and and t- more towards the platforms again, um, which which uh, is really just a consolidation of power. Right? Yeah. So I, I, yeah. All that knowledge that's coming out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm done <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> keep all this in though yeah <laughs>
4: well so all of those interactions being consolidated through these different channels of voice assistants and through the television through wearables so on and so forth so as our connected activities are consolidated onto these platforms it's really important for brands to have a presence that adds value to the user's experience because a 15-second audio spot is a, it feels much more invasive in your living room when you are asking Alexa or the Google Assistant for something very simple like how much time is left on my washing machine, than it would be uh, through a passive, you know, radio broadcast, for example. So the big takeaway for me is making sure that whatever presence we have, we're, we're adding value so that users choose to interact with the brands because these technologies are giving a lot more choice to the consumer.
3: Ben took mine. But yeah. oh. Well said, <laughs> In your ben. face. Well said,
0: Ben. Do you need
1: some time? Because mine actually plays off what Ben Angel, said. T- take
0: it
3: away. Mine was going to be like, don't just make an Alexa skill.
1: Right. Damn, mine was going to be make an Alexa skill. Kidding.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, Angel, go ahead, say yours. I I don't even have one yet, so.
1: All right. Yeah, this is a toughie, but my thought is an extension to Ben's point, where if you're a brand and you have an app and you have a presence with a community, now's the time to begin to think through what's that voice experience and also visual. Once voice gets onto the TV, like how are you going to build skills or content to complement that app, that community? So it's really how does this play into your overall strategy of just engaging the user throughout the day? I know it's a bit broad, but I haven't cracked this egg yet, but I will.
0: No, that's a good point. Um,
3: I can do mine. Do yours. Uh, I think it's still early in the game, although we have seen a ton of recent developments and this we see this market accelerating. But I think um, designing for flexibility at this point um, – unless you're you know you command massive scale and have the ability both financially and brand wise to do so Um, I think aligning yourselves with all voice assistants and being able to support all of them in the short term gives the consumer the most choice and expands your net um, at least in the short term while we see how this plays out
0: then you double down on one that works I like it that's great thanks Angel so just from a, like, so a security perspective, when you look at um, data and data privacy, uh, to be a brand and to get into the smart home, you first have to you know make sure that consumers believe that you'll be able to keep this uh, really personalized information about them secure. Uh, and then from there, that gives you access into a person's live that you can there... Uh, you know, better personalize their day-to-day interactions. And this becomes like a, a really interesting, you know, competitive advantage for brands. Like only the brands that are able to really own this consumer trust will have access in a sense.
3: Scott, I think the point you bring up around trust is a really good one too, because I think especially like we've seen with Facebook recently, uh, if you get into the home based on that trust, consumers will also very easily kick you out of their homes if you are to violate their trust in a very serious way.
0: And with that, if you're looking for more great content, please check out our website, ipglab.com. There you can subscribe to our newsletter that comes out once a week. That's fantastic. Uh, You can follow us on our social channels, which is at ipglab for both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Check out our Medium blog, which also can be accessed through ipglab.com. And finally, tell, tell your friends, share, give us an iTunes review. Whatever you can do, we'd greatly appreciate it. With that, Thank you, everybody here, and we'll talk soon.